What a way to kick off the new year by going back to a long time ago where you knew that humans were alone on this planet. A time to live long and prosper. To a time when two men enter, one man leaves. To a time where you did not talk about Fight Club. When I wasn't even supposed to be here today. Where we all learned a valuable lesson. That no matter where you go, there you are. Guys, welcome to the Mess Up of Midnight Podcast, the show that's been playing 8th Dimensional Chess since the dawn of time. I'm your host, Max Steele, and I am joined by the backing band to the stars, guys. It's Michael Flaherty, everyone. Hey, it's I'm I'm playing eighth dimensional chess and it, uh, while also like doing keyboard equations. That's all I'm doing. I'm equation equations on full electric keyboards, doing eighth dimensional chess, and just like you know testing out like rocketry. We got just like a, a much less cool version of the movie that we're talking about today here with Michael Flaherty. Absolutely. I'm 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 a renaissance man, as they like to say. I'm just doing it all. <laughs> you, you do know who is a renaissance man, Mike. Ooh. It's our it? it's 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 our dude. Buckaroo Bonsai, of course. Got guys, <laughs> I am I'm so excited today because a well, little peek behind the curtain. Mike recommended this movie, and I had never heard of it up until today. And I'm kind of glad. We're talking about it, guys. We are talking about the 1984 The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eight Dimension. Now, Mike, I want to ask, how did you find this movie? Explain this movie. So, okay. All right. So, you know, I am uh, I'm quite the cinema cinema fan. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember and much like the chopping malls and the I dismember mamas that we've covered in the past. This was another recommendation from dear old dad. Um, but what was weird was, is this recommendation didn't come during the podcast. This recommendation didn't come when the podcast was being inceptioned. This recommendation came when I was 10. Because <laughs> my dad sat there and just was like, you like ridiculous movies? And, and I just went, yeah, it pops. Of course I do. He went, Strap in, <laughs> and he made, and he just had me watch the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, which is just mag like hindsight twenty twenty magnificent choice because I got so many good memories with this fever dream of a movie. Honestly, a good age to see this movie too. Like yeah, I mean, like right exactly. at ten years old, it's it's like you you are right there. You're right there mm -hmm. to where you're really gonna get this. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I just like because my critical chops haven't developed hadn't developed yet, but I still was able to tell whether or not something was in fact good, bad, or just ridiculous. And ten year old me was just like, man, there's a lot of shit going on, and I'm here for it. Now, a lot of people when they first watch this movie. You, you know what they're going to think. Motherfucking oh. Back to the Future. They're going to think of Back to the Future ripoff. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Not not the case, because this movie actually came out before Back to the Future. And I really feel that because Back to the Future, again, I love Back to the Future. Like one of my favorite, like one of my like oh. top 25 favorite movies. Oh. Love it. Classic. Love it. I think that 
because Back to the Future got so popular and this movie just did not fare well at the box office, but kind of attained like a cult status with a small group of dedicated fans later on. I really feel like that hindered its growth. It's I, I agree. I agree. This movie, this movie is. This movie, there are two faults that this movie makes abundantly clear with it. They had too many ideas. That's that's problem one. And problem two was they came out one year before Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. It's see the thing is is like this movie just much like it's much like it's uh it's interdimensional theme. Mm-hmm. The movie itself with its release was definitely out of time. Mm-hmm. It, it it's it, its choice to release when it released is so is such a time capsule. And on top of that, it's it's proximity to something like Back to the Future just forever dooms it. Forever mm-hmm. dooms it. Cuz not only is it no longer known as, you know, that box office bust that's, you know, got some goodness when you look back on it, but no. Now it's just people don't even remember it. Cuz cuz mm-hmm. everyone goes, "Oh, that 80s interdimensional travel movie with a car that has been retrofitted and has Christopher mm-hmm. Lloyd in it playing a mm-hmm. key role. You go back to the future. You don't go mm-hmm. the the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the way that I kind of see this movie is think about this movie as like a fan fiction written by a guy who calls himself a movie fan but has only seen mainstream 80s action adventure movies. I think like, okay, he tries to like write a Back to the Future fanfic, but he can't just do that. So he just incorporates all these other elements into this into this <laughs> screenplay, but it works. Like it really it's, does. This movie is an absolute fucking blast. It's this movie, this movie is it had to have been written by a person who like it who like was like strapped to a chair and gone full uh what's it clockwork orange with the eyes being left open mm-hmm. and was just subjected to action and sci-fi movies between 1977 and like 1992 <laughs> because this guy's just like okay we got to make a movie a hit movie it's got to have it's got to have it's got to have a very stoic and kind of weirdly uncharismatic center character it's got to have mm-hmm. it's got to have a girl with a pixie cut it's got to have jeff goldblum and it's got it's got to have all of these characters. John Lithgow's got to be here too. He's from the, he was in Third Rock from the Sun. And you're like, okay. Ooh, he was right. in New Year's Eve. <laughs> oh God. Yes. Back to back John Lithgow. Let's do this, baby. I'm, dude, I'm kind of here for it. I kind of, I'm learning. I love John Lithgow. I, I completely forgot he was in season four of Dexter too, until I started researching for this movie. And you're like, like some of a bitch Lithgow's in a lot of stuff. Good for him. It fucking is. But like, and another way I thought of describing this is like if Ice Pirates is chaotic evil, Buckaroo Banzai is chaotic good. Absolutely. Both are, both are very chaotic. Ice Pirates is a fucking cocaine trip. This movie, <laughs> it's like it's still all over the place, but I am still able to follow it. And it doesn't take it like, I don't know. I guess the word it's- it doesn't take itself too seriously might not be the right phrasing, but. It's know. like okay, it. the way the way I like to view it, it's like if you took your if it's like if you take like your nephew to like to like a roller coaster park, like Six Flags mm. or something like that. 
It's like you take two kids to Six Flags and you take them on the exact same rides, but you give one Mountain Dew and you give the other one Monster Energy the whole day. <laughs> the one with the one that had Mountain Dew still going to be pretty close to incoherent and jumbled and really fast moving, but he's probably going to make more sense than the kid who is on Monster Energy. That's the way I think of it. It's like, what is going to go, oh my god, we did all this cool stuff, and then it was this, 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 and you're like, oh my god, what else? a lot of shit happening. And then the other one would just be like, ah! And you're like, okay, all right. You're just running, just running circles <laughs> in your living room. Yeah, exactly. You're just, you're just basically running, running a rut into your carpet. So like, and going back to the intro that I did with where I was saying all of those famous movie quotes long time ago, going back to the future um, where you knew humans were not alone on this planet. Like a lot of those movies that I incorporated in that opening were influenced by Buckaroo Banzai, which it's really amazing. This is like very much a filmmaker's film so much so that like Kevin Smith the guy that directed clerks he wanted to make – he is a huge – first of all, he is a huge fan of this. I watched a talk earlier today where it was him, John – where was that? Kevin Smith, John Lithgow, and Peter Weller all talking about mm-hmm. Buckaroo Banzai. So if you get a chance, go check that out. You get a lot of good oh. information from it. Great. But Kevin Smith actually wanted to make a TV series based off of Buckaroo Banzai. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, but Mike, Mike what, do you, what do you think about that? I just – I just love that I, I just want everyone to know about this movie because this movie because obviously I watched it as a kid, so I have a different viewpoint of it than a lot of people do. But I am totally uh, granted, I am not the biggest Kevin Smith fan. I love clerks. I love mall rats. Great. Um, the rest of his d- filmography, not really my speed, but you know, it's it's good, good enough. Mm-hmm. It's good enough for its audience. Um, I 100% agree. Could not agree more. Like it's so, it's so chaotic in such a great way. Mm-hmm. Like the movie is just like, the movie is just a Coke binge, but the problem, but the thing is, is it still keeps it together in a way that is still silly and fun. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, yeah. That's, and I was going to say, I think it's really unfortunate that we did not get a sequel in movie form. Because mm-hmm. we actually did in 2021 got and this is and you get a tease at the very end of this movie next time Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime League. And in 2021, we got a book that was released that was Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime League. That's- I was not able to check it out before this podcast. So, oh, my God. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I'm telling you. This is this is one of those things where it's like I don't support I, I'm not not that I don't support it. I am not normally pro franchise. Mm-hmm. I'm someone who very much loves their movies to tell their story and then to not overstay their welcome. Unless mm-hmm. unless they become, you know, some thing that people are kind of praying go away after a certain point. Cough cough Marvel cough cough. And then <laughs> it's, but this is one of the few times where I'm like, I had, I was beaming from ear to ear watching this fucking ass trip of a movie. 
It just was just like, was just like, God, I hope they succeed and make more. And then I was like, oh, rats, they didn't succeed and they didn't make more. Because it's, come on. Like, come on. And I know that, like, the screenwriter of this film, he actually did a lot of world building to the point where I think I saw, I heard somewhere where he had a bunch of different copies of of a script. Like, he started writing one and I was like, okay, no, 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 I got this other idea for a story that takes place in this universe. And then we'd go and write that, start writing it, and maybe get to like page 30. And he just stops like, okay, no, 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 this is another good idea. And so he just ended up doing a whole lot of world building. And you can really see because this whole film kind of feels like it just kind of throws you into it. Like you're not given a whole lot of like exposition. You're not given like a, oh, that's so-and-so. That's the person in charge. Like it's, it's not like th- yeah. that ham-fisted. It just you get thrown into it and you pick it up as you go, which is still mm-hmm. very good. Exactly, exactly. It's my philosophy is it's better to pick someone up and throw them into a world than to handhold and like 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 you're like you're on a hunger strike. Like they're forcing the plot down your throat. Like the whole idea is. It's like it doesn't matter if you suck at just throwing someone into a world. At mm. least the 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 viewer will have fun trying to piece stuff together. Mm-hmm. So, so now, Mike, we're gonna get to the ever important question of this podcast, ooh. which is: this movie were a drink, what would it be, and why? Ooh, getting right into it rather quick, I might add. No, I'm excited, okay. man. So I'm telling you, okay. So this movie is wall-to-wall with ridiculousness. This movie is, it's cranked up to 11. This movie has, is just, just soaked in 80s. 80s everything. Like, there's not a damn thing in this movie that doesn't make me go, God damn, that is so violently 80s. Except for Jeff Goldblum wearing wearing cowboy chaps, but that's you know, weird. We're gonna get it, into that. I want to make that clear. <laughs> but okay, my I wanted my drink to reflect that in so many ways, and I also wanted it to really pull from a lot of the a lot of the inspiration ripoffs stuff that crested stuff that movies that crested it and became full franchise and IPs. So my drink. <clears throat> what is this base? This is a classic American action movie at its base with a little bit of a sci-fi twist. You get classic. So what is a classic American base? Whiskey. How what mm-hmm. else could it be? But it's not but we're going we're not going Jack Daniels or something like that. No. We're going to we're going to hop across the pond. And look at and look at a Johnny Walker, mm. specifically a special edition Johnny Walker black label that was made for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It was a special release. Go look at it. Honestly, one of the coolest goddamn bottles for like for like liquor that I have seen in a while. God, I God, I just geek out when I see that. But that is the base. Okay. Now, this movie's got aliens. For so, what else would it be? It's it's got aliens and it's got the Soviets, so you know it's an 80s movie. What else are we going to put in? Well, what else is aliens? 
What else is bad, aliens? Star Wars. I'm grabbing. I'm 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 hopping on hopping on a hopping on a flight to Disney, snatching up some blue milk from Star Wars land. <laughs> We're grabbing a little bit of that. Now, one thing about this movie that we'll delve into is that the aliens are broken into two sects. There are the red lectoids and the black lectoids. The red lectoids are led by John Lithgow, and the black lectoids are led by a guy who looks like Eddie Grant, I guess. I, <laughs> it's, but it's, for that I've chosen, I've chosen a, a, a like, like a, like a, like a funkier Jamaican rum. You know, something that's, something that's, something that's very different and very separate from the blue, from the blue milk, you know? So we have that clear divide on this is the good, this is the bad. Now, moving on, we both covered this. This is, this movie is so, so, oh, so violently 80s. It's oh, so, oh, oh, so violently 80s. But it's also really hopped up to 11. This is, this is. This movie does not slow down, and if you miss and if you miss the train, it'll drag you behind the train. So what other what other hit eighties uh, energy drink soda to balance out all of this alcohol that we've put in? Then fucking Jolt Cola. <laughs> now c- continuing on, not not stopping. In, we have interdimensional travel. In a car that is retrofitted, that goes really fast, even though the actual car it's based off of goes so, so very slow. And is not, does not move fast under many circumstances. I've chosen a, 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 a drink, a liquid from the Back to the Future franchise. I've chosen a drink from Back to the Future 2 when he travels to 2015, and I've picked Pepsi Perfect. The limited edition release in mid-October of 2015 to celebrate Back to the Future, the Back to the Future 2 timeline or whatever. And finally, you mix all of that together, but I'm not done yet. In order to really encompass the fact that this movie is weird, it's confusing, but it's unique, and God damn it, you want everyone else to see it because you want to go, this is weird and unique, right? You're taking, I, I saw I saw this on like, I think like Cocktail Chemistry or something like that, some YouTube channel. You take agar agar powder, which is like a gelatin substitute. You pour it into this mix, stir it up. You pour that into a like, I think it's a sodium solution of some kind. And you make yourself a cocktail pod of what I just described. It is a, it is a whole cocktail in a, in a, in a, in a fucking pod. It's awesome. It looks really weird, but I do want everyone to to look up those cocktail pods because goddamn it, they're cool. <laughs> but yeah, okay. that is my. Okay, okay, R- run through it again. One like just real, <laughs> just ingredients. Give me the ingredients. Johnny Walker Blade Runner edition, blue milk okay. from Star Wars land, Jamaican rum, Jolt Cola, Pepsi Perfect, and turn it into a cocktail pod. I like the I like the usage of the cocktail pod. That's very interesting. The Johnny Walker Blade Runner. I'm intrigued. I I can see how that can work. Everything else I'm here with, 
I don't know. There's just that that one thing where I'm like, okay, interesting. And you actually said no Jack Daniels. My drink actually has Jack oh. Daniels because I think oh, it's you know it's quintessential. It's American. It's mm-hmm. straightforward. But I, your drink, our drinks are very similar, but not the ingredients. It's like we have similar it's- elements, but we just chose different things. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Let me hear it. Let me have so it. Go. So. The vibes I was getting, you know, this is an action movie. This is, you know, our classy hero. I think I saw Buckaroo Banzai as this version, as this universe's version of James Bond. And with the amount of stuff that gets thrown into this movie, going with one of the most popular alcoholic drinks in movie history as our base, I think really fits a martini, shaken, not stirred. Ooh. But let's change it. Let's change it to a whiskey martini. Throw in that adventurous edge by adding whiskey. Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels honey, let's say. Because this isn't really, you know, a movie that's... This isn't going to, like, you know, hurt going on the way down. It's fun. It's exciting. Let's make a Jack Daniels honey. And so, again, Jack Daniels honey, two ounces. Dry vermouth, one ounce. Throw in some uh, yellow chartreuse, make it a little sweeter, about half an ounce of that. Now let's get our sci-fi elements. In another glass, I want you to mix together some blue curacao and orange juice. Mix it together till you find a color that you like. Now let's mix the two drinks together. But we also have a romantic subplot. Why not throw in some cranberry juice? Just a little, a little, a little bit, not, not, not too much. <laughs> He's a rock star. Throwing some more Jack Daniels honey. Why not? And we got John Lithgow's character. We need a little bit of like a dash of a spice. We need, we need something. He's speaking with this faux Italian, like Italian accent. Let's take a little bit of Italian dressing. Just a little, a little squirt in there. Add a little, add a little bit of zest to it too. And you know, they mentioned VAT 69 in the movie and you can add, that's an optional thing. You can add that if you want to like have it be roped in with the movie even more for, for me, I'm going to choose to leave it out. So yeah, that is my buckaroo bonsai bonsai drink. I don't, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't come up with a name because you're, yeah, I, I like, no, no, no. <laughs> I like the term bonsai because you're going to look at, at, at you're going to look at your drink and you're going to look at that and you're going to see the Italian dressing, the honey whiskey and the yellow chartreuse. And the only words that are going to come out of your mouth is nothing other than <sighs> bonsai. <laughs> and you just chug it. Like it's, you're not going to go, you're not going to go. Ooh, yeah. So let's, Let's hear, let's feel the developments of the Italian dressing with the honey whiskey and the and the vermouth. Like, it just... well, you see, but I kind of, I kind of yeah. feel like much like much like my drink in this movie. You kind of just have to jump just headfirst into it. Don't look at it. That just, is true. Just jump in. That is true. That is true. This is one of those movies and and subsequent cocktails that your friend would make, not show it to you. Go. You just have to drink this. And you go, okay, well, what's in it? And they're like, don't, no, no, no. Just drink it whole, go whole hog. Just chug it. It'll be good. Trust me. It's going to be weird, but trust me, it's going to be good. And Lord, behold, you do it and you just go, well, hold on now. That was pretty weird, but 
it was pretty good. And they're like, right? <laughs> now, do you think we're going to try this drink on our next drink tasting whenever the fuck we do it? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's just we're going to have to make blue milk from Star Wars to make it rum like Jolt Cola. Or then we're going to have to make a martini with chartreuse and Italian dressing. And orange juice and blue curacao. That's It's just there's a lot of ingredients. There are a lot of ingredients with this one on mm-hmm. both sides that makes you go, oh, it's I don't know if I'd pick, pick that, but hell yeah. But like, there's a lot of ingredients with this movie too, so mm-hmm. I think I think I personally think it fits. Oh yeah, no, 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 absolutely. I think both of ours fits pretty well. Both of ours are kind of like fall into the line of yeah, you fit the themes, you got all this and that. Yeah, it works. So now we're gonna jump into talking about this wonderful movie, guys. Let's get in to Buckaroo Banzai. Boom. Title card. We get rolling text because, of course, we have to. And the rolling text says this. Buckaroo Banzai, born to an American mother and a Japanese father, thus began life as he was destined to live it, going in several directions at once. A A brilliant neurosurgeon, this restless young man grew quickly dissatisfied with a life devoted solely to medicine. He roamed the planet studying martial arts and particle physics, collecting around him a most eccentric group of friends, those hard-rocking scientists, the Hong Kong Cavaliers. I, please, I, I beg of you, we gotta pause. We gotta pause. Please. So is, it, is, this, is this who people are, is this like what women are looking for in a man? Like, Earth, does he have to Earth, be a neurosurgeon, yeah. a rock star, uh, fucking it's, particle it's physicist? Like, it's like, it's like everyone's, it's like everyone, it's like, it's like a nightmare Tinder bio requirements page for like, like the guy, like, you know, like the guys are like, she's got to be smart. She's got to be crazy. She's going to be this and that. And the guy's like, he's got to be like this and he's got to be cool. And it's like, <laughs> this guy is the only, this guy is like. This guy is the coolest person alive. He is a neurosurgeon, a particle physicist, a martial artist, and a rock star. This guy is just, this guy, this, they sat down in the writer's room and just, they're all, all of the writers in this, I'm thoroughly convinced, were involved in improv at some point in their lives. Because no one ever said no. It was always just yes and, yes and, yes and. It's, and he's a neurosurgeon, and he's a martial artist, and he's a rock star. And he's a physicist. And you're like, okay, great. It was just like, guys, we just got, we just keep the ball rolling, man. Like we, I have hours and mountains of cocaine that I need to run through. Let's just fucking keep on going, but figuring out who the fuck Buckaroo Banzai is. So team Banzai. I love it. So our first opening shots are of a military base. We get some people walking through wearing those chrome futuristic looking suits that kind of look like they're wearing space blankets. And we cut to a little bunker where scientists are saying science thing. Military dudes whispering something in a guy's ear. He's like, hey, Banzai is a no-show. He's at the hospital. And we cut to our man, Buckaroo Banzai, in the middle of his surgery. And he's saying science thing, doing that fast-talking smart person thing. I, I... Dude, I love the science jargon that they use. Because it's... 
It's if we pull across, if we pull across the cranial, the cranial layer, and pull up the ventricle vein, and it's just, it's like they just picked out a bunch of like big words and just all just stuffed them together, and just went, say this as quickly as you possibly can. And so it's just like you're just listening to this person talk, and you're just like, what? Like, I mean, quite, you you mentioned improv earlier. I quite frankly think that um, Buckaroo Banzai was just looking at. Uh, a dictionary earlier and was just figuring like picking out like the biggest possible medical words he could find. I was like, I'm going to say this. He goes, ah, so I'm removing the, I'm removing the skull and reaching in to grab the fibula. And you're like, that doesn't sound right. I think that's in your leg, but okay. Calm down there, RoboCop. Um, So yeah, they, they're in the middle of surgery, saying science thing. We get, we are intercutting between the hospital and this military base. So Banzai ends up going back to the military base and he starts walking towards an F1 stock car where it's like a souped up, it's a souped up fucking DeLorean and he's get, go ahead. It's a fucking, it's an F-150. It's a Ford. They just took a Ford and just strapped a rocket engine to the back. Like, it's, I don't want to pick and choose for these guys, but wouldn't it make more sense to, like, like my co-host said, take an F-1 car. These guys just went, let's just put a rocket on the back of an F-150. That's enough. You're like, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Dude, it would have been better if it just like cut to it and it's just like a one of those like big ass cartoon rockets just duct taped to the bottom to the top of this truck and that, it's like a wily coyote match gets lit and it's just, just like and then just fucking lies. You literally just see Buckaroo Bonsai and he's like like in like in uh, Doctor Strange Love, he's just like saddled up on top of the rocket and just with his like hat and he's just like, all right, in three, two, one, and go. Now, Buckaroo ends up getting into this car, whatever the fuck, whatever the fuck it's going to be. So he gets in, starts flipping up a bunch of switches, and we see that it contains some type of MacGuffin, which you've seen Back to the Future, like me and my co-host have. It's basically a flux capacitor that they have in there, and it's placed pretty much in a similar position. So. More Back to the Future comparisons there, even though this movie did it first, which props to that. It's I I love it's I love that because every time we're like you, damn it, like Back to the Future over here, we're like, well, damn, they did do it first, so I guess it's it's like, like the it's like I gotta it's give like it the it's like the Zoom versus the iPod. You're like you're like, I mean, technically they did have more storage, but yeah, I don't know this one. Guys, let us know if you still have a Zune in 2023. Please send it to us. And we also want to you, talk to you and ask why. You're officially cool again, but also stuck in the past. Really hardcore. So, Bonsai, so we get the countdown, puts the helmet on, three, two, one, starts driving. Now, the scientist group is doing that. Yep, everything's looking good. You just got to be careful and don't do anything stupid. And what do they do? Buckaroo ends up driving off course and they're like, yo, what the fuck is going on? So science people are like, yo, you got to abort the mission. And Bonsai is just like, hey, 
how about I don't do that? So yeah, the the MacGuffin and the car says it's armed now, whatever the fuck that means. And the car starts shooting a laser and the cinematographer behind the camera just kind of starts violently shaking. <laughs> I'm like, okay, what, what the fuck? slow down, please. We are like five minutes in. It is so great because the camera, the camera is just like being held by your like by your like nephew who just like just just chugged a Mountain Dew. It's just like vibrating. No, no, like no, no, the, no, no. The nephew holding it was the one that chugged the Monster Energy drink. Oh yeah, exactly. R- exactly. Remember your bits, Michael. Remember your I bits. Damn it! Damn, damn it! Stupid! Stupid! stupid. <laughs> so yeah, it shoots a laser. And the scientists are there just like, yo, what the fuck is going on? And Banzai, he goes through a po- he goes through this mountain, sees flashing lights, 80s like, CGI, which is so wonderful. And wonderfully it's just like, bad. It's, it's 80s CGI. You have naked goblins who are just like suspended <laughs> in air, who are just like, who just look at the screen and go and just like, just like just like bare their teeth and you're like you're like what the what on earth is going on so you said naked goblin and i just thought of like willem dafoe from the spider-man movies and he's on his glider oh, except he's just naked and he's just floating towards you just <laughs> smiling or just it's, all teeth it's just, it's just hey if lars von if if lars von trier was was right we would all be like we would all be like oh oh i good for you mr defoe but oh my god oh god now there's a it's linked back because you see willem defoe was in life aquatic with steve zisu i think he was and that and and at some point of life aquatic they do a walking thing that is similar a walking credit scene that is similar to what they did at the end of this movie so you see there we go it's all it's all connected it's all all connected it's all connected shut up it's all connected it's all connected everything goes back to buckaroo bonsai fuck you so yeah cgi test footage of star wars and it goes through bonsai is just his hands are just shaking his body's shaking and then he ends up on the other side of that mountain and the scientists who very well should be like hey what the fuck you went up you went against what we agreed upon for the experiment you could have died. They just start clapping. Yeah, that is yeah, great. That was cool. That's, yeah, that's my favorite thing about this movie is like they're like they're like you maverick. We're just we're proud of you. <laughs> like if if this was an experiment, no one would be like no one would be like thanks for that. No, they would have been like okay, couple things. One, you just wasted like millions of dollars. Two. What the hell, man? What? How are how are we supposed to measure this? Like you just drove through a mountain. That's not. We can't measure that. So yeah, he parks. So uh, Buckaroo Bonsai parks the giant Ford F one fifty that he's driving, and he sees the car is smoking, and he gets out to check it out. And this is when we really see our first close up of the man that we're going to come to know as Buckaroo Banzai. Now, the best way I can describe him is a greaser with a medical degree. It's yeah, exactly. He looks like he looks like he, he looks like a backup to John Travolta in Greece. But if they like went off and like did medical school and 
studied martial arts and became a rock star and also a particle physicist. Okay, so hold up. So if Joe Samurai got mixed with um with Greece. I mean, do, do we get Buckaroo Wait. Banzai? I'm I'm just asking I'm just asking a greaser, a greaser Joe Samurai. He's just Bucker all he is is Buckaroo Bonsai. He is just I don't know throw, throw in some like AP, throw in some like uh a, the like AP calculus textbooks in there too and uh, yeah sure close enough. That was that was my thing is like it was like he was like he would be like Buckaroo Bonsai and Buckaroo Bonsai just like just was just was like was just hot and dumb. Like and he was so obviously just so so blindingly stupid. <laughs> so yeah, Buckaroo, <clears throat> Buckaroo Banzai checks under the car, and he looks under and finds some type of alien egg thing. Which when I saw this, you want to you want to know what it reminded me of? Mm. It reminded me of. Did you ever have the flat ball? When you were a kid? Yes. Yes, I did. It's like a thing where you like flatten it out and then you throw it and it's like a disc and then it turns into a ball like midway through the air. Those things were so fucking cool. They were so much cool. Oh my God. Wait, wait. Okay. Well, now I'm just down the rabbit hole of 90s toys, which I swear I'll get off of soon. Can we just talk about the apex? All right. Okay. But can we talk about the apex of 90s toys? That is the Fushigi ball. That's literally just a ball that everyone, that everyone, all the manufacturers convinced everyone was like this cool hand tricks thing. When it was literally just a ball. It was literally just like a silver ball that everyone was just like, oh yeah, this super cool thing. I was like, oh yeah, that's, 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 so, that's so cool, guys. So, so yeah. Next scene, we go to a young John Lithgow, which is so weird to see him have mm-hmm. this much hair. Because, like, I don't know. He so he's watching Buckaroo on TV, and he's and um Buckaroo is speaking with um a doctor by the name of Professor Hikita, and he describes this. DeLorean that they have as an oscillation overthruster. Mm-hmm. I might call it that. I might just keep calling it the DeLorean. I'll see how I feel <laughs> later on in the episode. It's all based on vibes. So yeah, John Lithgow, first of all, his teeth. He like despite My God. His, despite his best efforts, like I guess they didn't have like teeth whitening strips or some shit cuz like it is fucking messy. Yeah, yeah it is. It is Whew, man, you're just looking at his teeth and like I every time John Lithgow is on screen and I was just watching him, I was just the whole the whole time. I just couldn't help but sit there and go like, whoo, man, those whew, those teeth. Have you been have you been biting down on activated charcoal? Like what the f- what the, the hell happened? Uh, some, somebody please show him some whitening strips so we can have him in New Year's Eve and then someone someone get okay. this man someone get this man some crest. <laughs> And the other thing I wanted to mention was his accent. He's speaking with what I've heard described as an Italian Martian accent. It's, he 
sounds he sounds like he's doing an impression of Mario. He doesn't sound like an Italian. He goes, hey, this is my spaghetti. And you're like, all right, John. You're like, I love it. I love the energy. I'm here for it. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> we toned down the, hey, well, well, what happened was Lithgow actually met a tailor at the 20th Century Fox lot. Um, his name is Roberto Terminelli. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Um, and he, he had a very heavy Italian accent. So what uh, Lithgow would do is he would ask Roberto, like, hey, can you say these lines? And then he would go and practice with it. So he did this so much to where Lithgow actually requested that, like, hey, I want to credit Roberto Terminelli as my dialect coach even though he's oh just a tailor God. on the 20th that's, century Fox okay. lot, which that's awesome. That Okay. That is so awesome. Th- okay. This is why I think John Lithgow is so cool because that story, even though God damn it, he sounds so goofy to me. I still, I still stand by that and I don't change my mind. That is so wholesome that he just like had this tailor who's just so so violently Italian that he just like was just listened to him. That's so great. I love that. So once um, Professor Akita, when they're still talking on TV, he mentions um, Lithgow actually as Emilio Lazardo. And we get a flashback to where we see a young John Lithgow and Professor Akita doing science work. It's they're in a warehouse. So mm-hmm. They're doing some experiment involving laser beams. Lithgow takes a seat in this weird contraption and kisses a picture of a woman with a baby that's on this this device that he's sitting. It's like he's sitting on like a train cart that's like heading towards a wall. He kisses this picture, which I'm presuming those are his kids because if those are like that's Hakita and a young Buckaroo, I I don't know that that's that's just fucking strange. So <laughs> that, that's just weird. That is that would be super weird. That's that would. Hey, you know what? I gotta say, if that was, that's a whole can of worms that we could ooh, that we could just delve into. I don't I don't think it is, but you know, just just think about that, guys. That's all I'm asking. So yeah. So Akita marks a spot on the wall and he notices something. He's like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, stop. We got to we got to stop the machine. And Lithgow is like, hey, I'm not listening to you and starts up the machine anyways and gets hurled towards this wall on like a fucking go kart and ends up going through the wall. Akita looks at the monitor and sees like aliens on them. Lithgow, this is what Lithgow is seeing. Akita responds, holy Toledo. And then they have to like pull <laughs> Lithgow out of the wall. But now Lithgow is different he starts attacking the lackeys he's screaming he turns into a crazy ginger caveman and then just fucking dips next scene we're back to the present lithgow goes to sit down by a wall and he's, he's writing stuff on it and then an orderly comes in to talk to lithgow and he drops off a package for him and before we continue mike do you know who this do you know who this um orderly is do you know who plays him i i I I do. It is it is none other than our favorite our favorite uh star of Breaking Bad, Mike Ehrmantraut, Jonathan Banks is in this damn movie and holy shit it's weird. Dude, oh I I did not I did not recognize Jonathan Banks in this in this scene until the movie was done and I looked up who all was in it 
And I saw him credit and I was like, where the fuck was he? And then I rewatched the movie and saw him. I was like, I did not recognize him young. Holy like, shit. Yeah, exactly. It's same thing. Dude, same thing with Jonathan Banks as with John Lithgow. I just flat out didn't recognize them. I like, I think they're in my brain. It's the same thing as like, I don't know. It's the same. It's just, I, I always only recognize them as old. Like, like they were just had gray hair. Like a young Morgan Freeman doesn't exist to me. It's just old Morgan Freeman, different stages of old. Like, listen, same thing with Christopher Lloyd. That, oh, that, yeah. that man has that man has been old since the 80s yeah, exactly he looked wasn't he like only like 40 back when know, but the, back when the og back to the future dropped i don't know but they made him look like much older in that movie he looked like he was in his 70s like <laughs> i think that's the reason why i said why i said like he's been old he's like he's like rick flair motherfuckers just always been old yeah, exactly. It's, they just came out the womb like 35. So yeah, so anyways, Mike Airman Trout and John Lithgow shoot the shit. Um, he has to take Lithgow's TV, but Lithgow is building some type of contraption in his room, like his own overthruster. And the orderly is like, oh yeah, whatever. So he dips. Next scene. Hakita gives Banzai a report. Something about a report on the specimen from the car. And we see Bonz and we see who Bonsai is with. He's a member of a band and they're at a club in Jersey. I know this because a promoter told me so in the scene. <laughs> so their band is Buckaroo Bonsai and the Hong Kong Cavaliers. I mean, we got Love it. trumpets, Love it. guitarists, piano, it's- bassist, drummer. Like we, we know, got we got the game. You know, here. one of these days, one of these days. We will cover the fabled, the king of bad movies, the Miami Connection. And I could make this joke in a real, like, pointed and real sense. But I just love that there are a non-zero, that there are a non-zero amount of 80s action movies where the leads are in a band and then they do a musical number. I love that that is a niche that exists. I I love that so, so much because this scene, as well as the Miami Connection one, is, oh my God, it's magic. And it and it produces my favorite line of the whole movie. And what, what, what is that line? Uh, what is it? When you're here, you're here. Or because you're here, you're here. I have, I have it written down. I know I mentioned it earlier. We'll, we'll get to it. So, Bonsai. He's fucking rocking out. And this blonde friend, he's got a blonde friend. Perfect. This is perfect Tommy. His style is so confusing to me because he's walking around wearing a white trench coat with the collar popped up. Love and it. he's got like short blonde. Like it's, it is so confusing. It's, it's so confusing. This whole gig is aggressively 80s. So, but then Bonsai stops. He thinks someone isn't having a good time. We see a woman crying. And she apologizes. So Banzai shines a light on her and singles her out like, you, what's wrong? I I love that. I love, damn, that is, the, that, that is the most 80s way of solving someone, someone's issue when they're having a real tough, mentally fragile time. Like, like let's not, 
take the spotlight off of them, go over and ask them if they're okay, what's going on, and hear them out. It's, nope. Let's get the spotlight on her. Give her a mic. Let her talk. You're like, you're like, oh, classy. Hell yeah, Buckaroo. You. That's why you're the man. Well, so she, so she gets a mic, and her her name is Penny. Penny Pretty. This movie's not perfect. So she's crying like, oh yeah, because I spilled a little bit too much VAT sixty nine, and she lost her room at the Y. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that that that'll do it. So Bonsai, so the bon, so the audience kind of starts laughing, but Bonsai is like, "Hey, don't be mean, audience, because no matter where you go, there you there are." There you are. Oh. And now Michael Flaherty is going to get that tattooed on his it, ass. It is. Oh, it's going to be in Old English too. No, okay. Here, here, better yet, you get one part of it, and I'll get you get one part tattooed on your ass, and I'll get the other part tattooed on my. Oh ass. Oh my god, it's got to be. It's got like it's on like I the start is on my right ass cheek, and the the finish is on your left, and it like joins. Together. It's like it's like those twin tattoos that like friends get on their hands or whatever. Except except instead of getting I don't know birds or puzzle pieces tattooed. No, we're getting something a lot cooler. A fucking quote on our ass. Come at me, bro. From from a from from a really shitty sci-fi movie from the 80s. Hey, this movie is awesome. That is true. It is awesome. It is awesome. So, yeah, Bonsai, he's just kind of like running past this whole thing. She's like, "Hey, I'm going to play this song for you." And he starts singing this power ballad. The rest of the band is just standing by being like, yeah, this is weird. I, that's that's the best because one buckaroo cannot sing. He's not like he doesn't have this like baritone, like sonorous voice or anything like that. He doesn't have these chops, but he just keeps he just sings his heart out. And you're like, you're like, I fucking E for effort, man. It's <laughs> and all of his bandmates are like, what? What? What the hell's happening? This is. This is weird. <laughs> and like all of them were like, should we should we play? And they're like, no, nah, just just let's let him do his thing. Yeah, I'm just kind of like, you know, they're probably used to this by now. I'm sure he pulls the same shtick like in every town that he what visits, if, just whoa, to try to hook up whoa. with that one fan. It's either it's either one of two scenarios. Either either it's that and he like and he like tries to like he tries to find a fan that's having a tough time and he like tries to like sing to them specifically to like to like to do the to do what you were talking about or and this is my idea they repeat this scenario at every single concert as a plant like it's a whole stage opera almost I mean, I don't know if that's what it is specifically because what Penny does, she hears this and she's like, fuck this, pulls out a gun and was going to shoot herself in the head, but her arm got hit by a worker behind her standing up. So the gun goes off. People start freaking out. If this was a part of his act, that's kind of fucked up. And the band draws their guns. Because they carry guns I, on stage. I love, I love it. It goes, my favorite thing is, the movie goes from, goes from, we're all friends and we're all rock stars, to like, oh my God, this person's having a tough time, let me serenade them too. 
it goes it quickly turn goes from like Miami connection to fucking Scarface because everyone like yanks out these huge guns and just points them all at everyone and you're like whoa whoa all right did we learn nothing from the unfortunate passing of Dimebag Daryl of Pantera? Let's leave uh, right, concerts. Rest in spaghetti, never forgetty. Dude, f- fucking right, man. So, yeah, so Bonsai is like, what the fuck is going on? And then he dips. And we go next scene. Lithgow walks in on an orderly watching TV and he goes to make a phone call. And the order's like, oh, no, don't do that. So Lithgow oh, makes no. a phone call to a Mr. John Big Booty. That's a running joke throughout this entire <laughs> film. They have, the, the, the bad guy's name is Big Booty. <laughs> is he from like, Atlanta or something? Like, it's, it's, like it's just... It's just Christopher Lloyd in like he's in like he's in like a ludicrous video or like a Gucci main video. Just like just shaking ass. No, I, I just imagine like just someone wear like it's not even Christopher Lloyd. It's just someone wearing like a paper Christopher Lloyd mask that's just twerking the entire time. <laughs> it's an actual like like you know, just like the phone hangs up. And then, like, it just pans out, and it's just some of a Christopher Lloyd mask, and like the whole getup he wears, and then it's just like them shaking ass. So yeah, this movie is just so much funnier in hindsight, considering that Christopher Lloyd has to play a character with the last name of Big Booty. This it's just awesome. So, so yeah, uh, Lithgow is on the phone. He says his name is John Warfin. So the orderly goes to Lithgow and says, hey, you need to stop that. Then Lithgow breaks his fucking neck. And this other guy who's a patient just kind of watches him. So Lithgow now keeps talking to Big Booty. Exposition about the DeLorean and Ikata. Um, it's, you know, it's their time to take over the world. Lithgow fucking dips and just walks out. And he's fucking electrocutes himself with an arcade machines that one of the patients was playing which word it's next scene <laughs> hey, <of> that's <laughs> so unnecessary that's so unnecessary he just walks by and electrocutes himself and it just continues i don't know what that purpose was but the whole time i'm just like hell yeah man that's that's what's up like, dude, just... dude can, can you can you imagine um fucking John Lithgow in this movie in Leatherface 2017 during that fucking just riot on the inside. Oh I'm just like, I want to see fucking John Lithgow come in, electrocute everybody so we could just fucking forget about that movie. He goes, he just goes full Emperor Palpatine and just shocks everyone. <laughs> you know, he does kind of look like Emperor Palpatine. Like he looks like, like, I don't know, like before when Emperor Palpatine was like a normal person, before he got like mm-hmm, disgustingly mm-hmm. old, he kind of like I don't know. It's like a younger version of Emperor Palpatine. He's 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 Emperor Palpatine, but like the, the Yassified version. <laughs> yes, I hate you. So, <laughs> boom, we're back with Buckaroo Banzai, and we get a newspaper covering the events from the concert. So, Perfect Tommy, who's one of the band members, is like the girl. The girl from last night kind of looks like Buckaroo's wife, and. They go back to go talk to him and Bonsai is wearing like an Aikido uniform and is just kneeling 
I love it. Love it. He's wearing he's wearing an Aikido uniform and he's kneeling. And it's and they're in a tour bus. It's not like they're at some ride somewhere. It's in the back of their tour bus, and I'm just hell yes you know it, i find it funny that we don't see because we see him kneeling and he gets up and goes the other way we don't see the other side of that room i'm really hoping that he's kneeling to a picture of steven seagal who's like his aikido <laughs> idol it's it's like oh my god <laughs> i loved you in life pd <laughs> i i loved it i love all of your new movies please mr seagal teach me aikido just so, as you did to the police department. And we see how that worked for them. So another guy comes in, gives exposition like, hey, Lithgow has escaped from the mental asylum. It's all exposition. And one thing I also wanted to mention was we get a quick shot of the tour bus having military grade monitoring equipment in it. Awesome. They, awesome. They see, all about it. They see some anomaly in the New England area, something like an electric cloud. How big is this fucking tour bus? I really need to know. <laughs> like, I, I, like, it cannot, like, it's huge. Like, it, it's got a lot of shit and a lot of fucking people, too, if they're going to be driving yeah, around like that. They're, 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 like, really rolling deep. Like, it's not like it's, it's like one or two people. It is a whole squad. And they have a monitoring room. They've got, they've got some samurai meditation room. Like, it's a lot. So the bus then stops and Buckaroo gets out and goes to talk to a Dr. Sidney Zweibel, some guy dressed up as a cowboy. And we go to it and we're like, oh, wait a second. Son of a bitch. It's <laughs> Jeff fucking Goldblum, who I'm going to be real. I did not recognize him. I did not. Are you serious? No, no. I'm dead serious. But as soon as he took off the cowboy hat, I was like, oh, fuck. There he is. <laughs> See, my favorite part of that is just like, it's. People are like, how could fucking Dr. Doofenshmirtz not know it was Perry the Platypus? <laughs> and then he takes off the hat and he's like, and he puts on the hat. He's like, Perry the Platypus. Like, that is what you just said is living proof that that dude is 100% like not that that's valid. That that's just fucking valid. We would we would not fucking recognize Clark. Well, eh, maybe we would recognize Clark. And I guess it's in the hair. I don't, I don't know. You guys. Can tell yeah, me. exactly. Exactly. Like, if Clark Kent wore, wore a fedora, we'd all be like, we all wouldn't know it was him. No, I think we'd all just kind of cringe on the inside. So, <laughs> but Clark Kent just turns to Lois Lane and goes, M'lady? You're like, you're like, oh. He was like, ooh, somebody get this man off of Reddit. So, Buckaroo and Sydney, they, we get exposition here. Old medical friends. Banzai is like, hey, we need your help. Goldblum is like, I'm your guy. Banzai goes, he fucking dips. Goldblum suits the shit with Perfect Dom, Tommy, and one of their other guys. So next scene, Banzai is in a jail and goes to talk to the girl from last night. And Penny is like, hey, why are you here? Banzai is like, who are you trying to kill last night? Penny was like, you. And now Perfect Tommy is in the jail for some reason. <laughs> like he rolls in. He's like, he's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> and I th- and like, I think I heard someone in the back, like one of the background extras. It's like Banzai walks in. No one says anything, and he goes to talk to Penny. But then Perfect Tommy comes in, like, "Oh my God, it's Perfect Tommy!" And I'm just like, "Isn't isn't it Buckaroo Banzai and the Hong Kong?" Anyway, so 
it's like it's like it's like you see like the Beatles come in and then you're just like then you see a, the, the fifth guy come in and they're just like oh my god Pete Best and you're like, <laughs> like really like you just saw all the other guys go in and he's the one all right you're like okay cool so so Bonsai is so Penny's like hey what do you want from me Bonsai is like hey you remind me of someone I lost long ago she was queen of the Netherlands. And Penny was like, I'm, I'm always felt there was another part of me somewhere. And Bonsai I always like, felt I was Dutch. <laughs> so Bonsai is like, you know what? Fuck it. This is enough proof for me. I'm going to bail you out. Tommy, give her your coat. And then Tommy's like, well, fucking why? And Bonsai's like, because you're perfect, Tommy. Tommy's like, word bet. Next scene. I, <laughs> God damn it. That's so awesome. Can we just can we just take a second to real like talk about how cool perfect Tommy is? He's just so he's so he's just God damn, he doesn't even do anything and he's cool. Dude, he's just he's just vibing throughout this entire movie. He's not that like the star true. or anything. Okay. He just kind of shows up, does shit, and then leaves. That's okay. We can talk about Jeff Goldblum's involvement. We can talk about Christopher Lloyd's involvement, but we can't we got we can't forget Perfect Tommy because Perfect <laughs> Tommy, all he does is shows up, acts cool, helps, and then leaves and, and doesn't even doesn't elaborate further. We don't get his backstory, nothing, just he's out. And you're like, hell yeah. All while wearing a white trench coat with the collar popped. So cool. God, so awesome. So next scene. Bonsai is at a press conference and a bunch of other people too. So Bonsai gets introduced again, like we doing his best Clark Kent impression. I think he actually is wearing a fedora and sung and like red glasses here. That's you know what? The fact that it was the 80s makes me forget that like people at one point thought highly of fedoras. No, oh, how it, it just goes to show how time ruins everything. <laughs> so you know so it's, yeah. it's Reddit and Chris Chan. They just ruined fedoras. Oof, 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 oof. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> I uh, yeah. Moving on from Chris Chan. So as bo- <laughs> you're like you're like you're like we you're like this just got really toxic and we need to move on. So as Bonsai is talking, we cut to some alien life form floating through space. It looks like it looks like I don't know it's like the Earth and then some model made out of fucking clay is just going through. And Bonsai is talking and is like, "Hey, I lost my mother and father because they gave their lives to contact alien life." And the whole gist of it is like, hey, there's another dimension with alien life forms. And then we cut to the aliens, the I, alien life forms that he's talking about. And dude, holy it. shit. Oh, they look like fucking Power Rangers villains. <laughs> so, oh my they're God. so, dude, I they're so awesome. I, dude, I was half expecting Rita Repulsa to start coming in. <laughs> like, it's just so, god damn it. I just, dude, I loved it. It's like, it's just, it looks like it's, it's so their dumb. space station is so fucking dumb. And then it goes in and they're just one, they're all wearing like sequin outfits. Like they're like prints. And then they have like frills. Like they have frills like a Dilophosaurus. Dude, can, can we talk it's about like, the fu- can we talk about the chairs that they sit in too? They that sit are like twenty in, feet off of the ground and are and let's just have their feet dangling they too. In, they sit in high chairs. They're like kids at McDonald's who are just sitting at the bench seats. Like their just feet are dangling so far off the ground. Like how do you get up? How do you get down? What what environmental purpose is this? 
It's just like they just they just slide down like they're on like a like a fire pole or some shit. They just slide yeah, on down. And then when they're going up, they're like, I don't know, fucking Spider Man their way up or some shit. I don't know. They're I'm, aliens. I'm, sh- I'm sure they like, have spider powers. They're, they're like they're like geckos. They're just like climbing up. <laughs> so and now while we're intercutting, Hikita explains the oscillation over thruster and it reorders matter. It's basically science, science, science. So Bonsai reveals the flat ball that he found earlier in some vat of what looks like apple juice. And the press conference eventually gets interrupted by the president. He's, he's calling Buckaroo Bonsai. Love it. I, amazing. Hell yeah, he is. Hell yeah, the president's calling Buckaroo Bonsai. We cut to Joe Biden or some shit is in this movie too, so. <laughs> and Joe Biden just, he just, it's great. He just, he just pulls up and it's a call from Joe Biden and goes, Yes, Mr. President, what can I do for you? Right away, Mr. President. <laughs> the perfect Tommy's just standing over there just like, all right, whatever. So, ne- so next scene. God, he's, God damn, he's so cool. <laughs> so next scene, Bonsai goes into a phone booth, remember those, to talk to the president. And Bonsai is calling out, like he's saying, Mr. President, Mr. President. Mr. President, and the aliens are listening, and the aliens shock him. And he, so Bonsai falls on the ground, gets up eyes wide like he just did mountains of cocaine, and starts writing on his hand. He yells at the, he yells the conference room, and the aliens launch a thermal pod from their thing in space. Next scene, Bonsai enters the conference room. Points at some of the journalists, calls them evil. <laughs> then we cut to them, and it's those motherfucking I, Power Rangers villains just sitting front row wearing like suit I, and ties and shit. I, I love it. I oh my god, I love it. It's literally like a. It feels like a cartoon. It literally feels like a cartoon because you just you feel like it shows the crowd as as Buckaroo is like coming in. And then it pans and it sweeps over to Buckaroo and he's like, evil! And he like points and then it pans back and it sees these like three aliens in the front row with masks on and they start to get up and start scurrying away. It's like, God, it feels like a comedy bit. Like, you're like what the fuck? I mean, this movie definitely is a comedy. Like, yeah, this, exactly. this, movie oh, is, this movie is a clear example of like every single genre except for maybe horror rolled into one. I love that. Unless, love unless that. you are just absolutely fucking terrified of these Power Ranger aliens. <laughs> Which, if so, uh, I guess that's, I guess you're okay. But what, really? So the press conference comes to a screeching halt. Perfect Tommy and one of the other band guys pull out guns and just start following Bonsai. Lithgow comes out of nowhere and takes someone hostage. All hell is breaking <laughs> loose. So now Bonsai is running in the back hallways after these journalists and some hotel um, convention center where there's also some a motor- hotel California. Yeah, exactly. So there's some there's also some motorcycle convention going on, and that's important <laughs> because you know the timing is just perfect because <laughs> of course in this movie we're gonna have to have a fucking motorcycle chase where the aliens get in a van and Buckaroo just hijacks some poor dude's motorcycle. Also, can we just talk about how this dude had time to not only learn neurosurgery, learn particle physics. Learn martial arts, become a rock star, but also had time to, you know, 
ride a motorcycle. Like, like there's this dude is collecting cool hobbies. Like it's fucking Pokemon cards. Like this dude, he's just grabbing them. Like you're just like at this point. My favorite thing about Buckaroo Banzai is I feel like he's one of the few people that could like totally kick Goku's ass, <laughs> but it's because he just like knows everything. Like there's not a single like skill he does not have like deep knowledge of. Dude, he would figure out fucking Goku and Superman's weakness like way before the fight. Well, I mean, Superman is pretty absolutely, much easy, but like he would like, whoop that ass. Like, dude, Superman would come down and then be like, "You can't stop!" And like he would literally like run up at Superman and like jam Kryptonite down his throat. <laughs> Do that fucking Jorge Masvidal running knee towards Superman, expect oh except he's got like a, a thing of Kryptonite on his knee and just bam right in the chin. <laughs> Literally, no, you just, he literally has, like, UFC pads and knee, and knee guards and shin guards on that are all just kryptonite. And he just, like, starts, like, martial arts beating the brakes off of him. <laughs> he goes full, he does the Raul Rosas thing where he just jumps on the back and starts choking him out. <laughs> so, yeah, so Buckaroo's chasing after them. Banzai leaves the hotel. Um, and now we're on the mountain roads on a motorcycle. So next scene, we're out in nature. Two hunters. One is named Bubba. That's all I know. Sees the alien thermal pod <laughs> falling from the sky and shoots at it. Hunters start following. Now we go back to the van. It's the aliens. They get a phone call. It's an emergency. Something about John Big Booty. Electromagnetic energy on Route 3, so they fucking U-turn. Next scene, we're back with the hunters and their dog. Dogs are barking. Hunters look up, and it's night. It's night now. So one of the hunters grabs a stick and starts shaking the tree, and the tree responds by exploding at them. And the thermal <laughs> pod starts rolling towards them like a fucking Indiana Jones boulder. It, it looks like a meatball. <laughs> it looks like a giant fucking meatball. It's just starting. It, it's, 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 it's fucking meatwad. It's just. <laughs> It's just, it's just meat, meat wine. <laughs> you just see, dude. Oh my god! If Master Shake and Frylock came out of the two other trees and were just and just rolling up on these two hunters, but they're the size of fucking houses, <laughs> I'd shit my pants, dude. Honestly, if I saw a giant dr- living drink cup the size of a house, I'd probably lose my shit too. So then an alien pops out of the thing, but instead. It's just a guy, Mike mentioned earlier, the guy that looks like um, Eddie Grant. So he falls out, <laughs> out of this alien boulder thing and dips. The hunters are like, what the fuck is this? And then a package gets lowered onto the ground. It's, it's that guy. It's um, Eddie Grant. So they, he, I love that we're just calling him Eddie Grant now. <laughs> <laughs> so next scene, Banzai calls Rawhide, one of the band members. And Banzai is like, I'm okay now. I'm switching on the homing beacon. Rawhide says some shit. The uh, says the professor has been kidnapped, and Bonsai is like, "I suspect it's John Lithgow." He does. He doesn't say that. He says his character's name. So, <laughs> the, the actor known as John, John Lithgow, Lithgow. <laughs> and then the camera literally just turns to the rest of the set. You just see John Lithgow just running off a set and like full sprint. <laughs> Not at no, all. I'm just imagining John Lithgow is just like in catering or some shit, just like. Oh, I'm I'm in this scene. <laughs> I, I, I do love the idea that cinematographer just whips around and he's got like a taco in his mouth and he's like, "Oh, oh, fuck, my bad!" And he just like puts it down and just runs over, still chewing. And then just uh, and then uh, Buckaroo Bonsai just points at him and just starts walking towards him. <laughs> just, he 
just sits there, grabs a director's chair, and just hits him over it like it's a WWE match. So yeah, Bonsai is like, hey, go tells Rawhide, hey, go to our place to look for an outfit called Yoyadine Propulsion Systems. Next scene. We're back to the hunters who called the police. A white van drives up, and this is when we actually see Christopher Lloyd looking significantly younger in this movie. Maybe it's just the red hair. I I don't know, but the red hair did kind of throw me for a loop. I always assumed he always had white hair. So he is our (laughs) John. He's permanently old. (laughs) Man was born 40. So he was he plays John Big Booty. He pronounces it Big Bootay, head of operations at Yoyadine Propulsions. Lloyd is like, hey, it's just a drone that you found. Listen to the men in black. Next scene, Bonsai drives through the night on a motorcycle. He's listening in on the Hunters and Christopher Lloyd. Now we Night go, Call is playing. <laughs> Ryan Gosling is holding on to the back of him while they're driving the motorcycle. <laughs> the timing is perfect. It's so romantic. <laughs> and then Ryan Gosling comes and uh, takes me out for dinner, and then we end by coming back to my place. righty. <laughs> and passionately, next scene. So uh, Tommy and Rawhide are giving directions to people in the tour bus command center. Bonsai, and back to Bonsai, he's broken into the Yoyadine van and finds the professor who they get who the professor gets shocked by Bonsai. And Tommy sends out back with Tommy, he sends out a distress signal, and it's answered by Scooter Lindley, who is eight years old. And he goes to tell his dad, like, Dad, Buckaroo I, needs us. I I god damn I love this kid. Okay. I love this kid. I, I love this kid so much. This kid is the most gangster person in this whole set because this is like legitimate, honest eight-year-old that Buckaroo Banzai and his team have just phoned for help. And it's just so raw to hear this kid just turn and just goes, Dad, Buckaroo Banzai needs our help. Get the helicopter. It's just like, like, you're like, dude, fuck. Dude, I want that kid's spinoff. I'll, I want to get into his stuff like one of my favorite things he does later in this movie no so he just he grows up and become <laughs> i just i'm just thinking of this dude just like because he like spent his like his like formative years like fighting aliens and like firing off live weaponry and just being intimidating he just becomes like he just becomes like a badass <laughs> he's like i will fuck you up so bonsai tells Sakita that he can see the aliens and he tells him about the formula he wrote down on his hand and the creature he sees are electroids from the planet 10 by way of 8th dimension. Now outside, the other two people with Lloyd give their info to the cops. And Lloyd says he'll start breaking down the alien thermal. And the cop says, no, you won't. And Lloyd's like, nah. Back in the van, Hakita tells Bonsai to give him the formula. So Bonsai aggressively licks his hands and presses it against Hakita's forehead. <laughs> it's like... Sure, it it, it and, translates it, over. It, Fuck it, it works. My favorite thing about that is there's no like, oh, there's a mirroring issue. Ooh, fuck! It's like you literally lick, stamp, and it's like, it, like it's like, like it's like one of those rubbings that you did as a kid with like plants over mm. like fossils or whatever or like leaves. It's but just with another person's forehead and an equation, like. Dude, let's better hope that Hakita doesn't just. I don't know, sweat a lot, where it's just going to like be yeah, running exactly. down his face. Dude, if Akita has to run or be outside for too long, 
Or if he's like the he's, two of us who just sweats by thinking about exercise. <laughs> Dude, uh, no lie. Started to feel a little sweat coming on. Not even lying. Dude, one thing they never tell you about doing podcasting is how much swamp ass you get. If you guys want to hear me and Mike go talk for two hours about swamp ass, please let us know. Strap in for some TMI. It's going to be on our YouTube. <laughs> no, it's going to be on the OnlyFans. That is true. That is true. At this point, you know what? We talk about it so much. We we have to open one at some Dude, point. Dude, instead of doing a Patreon, we just do an OnlyFans and tell people like, yeah, go subscribe to us on our OnlyFans. And then you go on and it's literally just content from it's, the podcast. It was, literally, it was literally the original intention of OnlyFans. <laughs> and maybe one feet pick thrown in there just, you know, because we got to make that money. So absolutely. Next scene, what this like house? Miss Johnson, I think that's her fucking name. Answers the door to Bonsai's posse and Penny and fucking Jeff Goldblum. So all of these people come over. Next scene, we're back with Buckaroo Bonsai watching Christopher Lloyd hit the thermal pod. Cut to an alien on the inside who is just chilling, living his best life. He gets a message from the aliens in space, sitting in high chairs to sacrifice himself. And this alien, John Gant, is like, I apologize to my homeland. John Valuk is dead. Perhaps John Parker will get out, out the message to Banzai. And outside the thermal pod, Christopher Lloyd just fucking decks a police officer. And I and one of the other hunters gets hit by one of Lloyd's lackeys. I love it. An alien. It's awesome. It's so awesome. There's one of the fact he's like looking at it too. And like not even looking at the police officer, not breaking eye contact from the thermal pod. Just boom, fist out, no looking, just fucking no scopes that shit. My man's got hands more accurate than a fucking he, sniper rifle. He, dude, I would, I would not want to one v one this man on Rust. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> that man is a menace to society. Christopher Lloyd, come at us, one v one on Rust. Actually, no, you'd probably fucking destroy me. I suck. I suck. You'd I suck. probably destroy us. <laughs> yeah, pr- uh, probably. So, an alien. He's, he's pr- running. A, he's he's running scavenger pro and a bear at fifty cal. We're screwed. <laughs> So an alien approaches Bonsai from behind and is like, and he's like, ah, hey, Bonsai responds by kicking the alien in the dick and running off. And this alien lets the others know, and we have a foot chase. So Bonsai gets cornered by a fence, spots a car and tries to wave it down, but it's being driven by the aliens. And these aliens are not a match for Bonsai. As a fucking helicopter comes in with a rope to save Buckaroo Banzai. You're damn right. We got the kid and the dad back to help Buckaroo Banzai. This fucking eight-year-old is so cool. God damn. God damn it. I wish I was as cool as this 18. Not this 18. This eight-year-old. This (laughs) eight-year-old. So next scene. Akita arrives back at the Buckaroo Banzai compound. Now inside at fucking Buckaroo Banzai's bedroom. Rawhide sits down. Goldblum. It's, it's, it's a car's bed. <laughs> it's just Lightning McQueen. It, it's literally. It's literally. It's not. It's not a Lightning McQueen bed. It's literally just Lightning McQueen. He's in the movie now. Kerchow. So. Uh, wow. So Goldblum comes in. He's also there. Um, he's playing the piano. Perfect. Tommy is there, just hanging out. Rawhide. <clears throat> Rawhide talks to a computer nerd who's trying to access the work files and they share words. Next scene. This um Eddie was it Eddie Grant m- alien. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, sure. His name's John Parker. Sure. But we've John, called him Eddie Eddie Grant so far. So yeah, John John Parker 
comes up to the buckaroo compound on a bike with a gift. And the guard comes to talk and he's like, hey, take the gift and just fucking leaves. So back inside. The computer nerd says that the information contains a bunch of social security numbers for people who live in the same town in New New Jersey and all work for Yoyadine. So Tommy finds pictures of a bunch of people all named John. John Smallberries, John Parker, John Parrot, every single one of them. Goldblum pipes in that there's no age and no place of birth. Also a place called Grover's Mill in 1938. And we get a mention of Orson Welles's War of the Worlds reading when people thought that real aliens were attacking Earth. And Goldblum was like, huh, maybe it's not a hoax. Just force, <laughs> just, just, just force that in there, why don't you? So it's, I, I love I love that. It's just like he almost like looks to the camera and goes, What if it's real? And you're like, okay. <laughs> All right, maybe not, maybe don't we give the QAnon people too much rope. Ooh. Nobody tell Kanye. So Next scene. <laughs> Buckaroo Bonsai predicted the future. future. <laughs> Martians are coming to kill us. So John Parker watches from the bushes. The aliens exit the van, and one of them is Christopher Lloyd. They jump over the walls of the Buckaroo compound. Parker sees this and is just like, well, why didn't I think of that? And he jumps over the wall, but then gets stopped by a guard. Next scene. Some guy is working on a car and gets startled by something. He goes outside and then gets spat on by an alien that fucking launches him back like through the length it's, of a football field or some like, shit. It is just like it's like a cartoon. Like the you literally just see the alien just just sit there and go two. And like you just see this dude like 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 he just got hit by like a like, uh, like a Kamehameha. The, and the he just like, it's like hit him or some shit. Yeah, literally, literally, he's fucking piccolo hit him because it's literally his arms and legs are both out and his stomach is back. <laughs> and it's just ridiculous. So the aliens go to check out the um, the not DeLorean. So Bonsai, so next scene, Bonsai arrives back with the kid and his dad. Bonsai is like, hey, catch me up to speed on everything. Exposition dump. The aliens hypnotized Orson Welles to do the War of the Worlds broadcast. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So Banzai is like, what the fuck? They go to his office. An alien artifact is found, and it starts, like, ho- producing a hologram and talks to Buckaroo Banzai. It's John M. Dahl from the Planet 10. And the whole gist of it is like, yo, there's a danger affecting us both. John Warfin is coming for us all. He's a military leader. He's as evil as Hitler. He was condemned to the eighth dimension. Banzai, you helped Warfin escape the eighth dimension. He's coming for your DeLorean. If you don't help us, we're going to shoot a missile to Russia and start a nuclear war. They're going to think it's y'all. They don't believe in aliens. We're going to vaporize the whole planet. You have until the end of the day. I don't want I don't want us to skip over the fact that in order to hear this hologram, they have to put on these masquerade masks, which are like bedazzled and look so damn goofy. Did Stanley but Kubrick direct just... this portion of the film? Like, was he like predicting eyes wide shut or some shit? <laughs> Stanley Kubrick is sitting there, just like just sitting down, going, "Put masks on them," and then he sits there and stops and goes, "Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second." <laughs> Buckaroo Banzai takes his mask off and he's now being played by Tom Cruise. 
and you just and you, everyone everyone just sits there and just starts removing all the clothes. I would make a Scientology joke, but I don't want somebody coming after us. Nope, nope, so, nope, nope. We're not saying anything about Scientology. <laughs> nope, 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 not at all. So, oh yeah, by the way, Penny might also be missing. So Bond says, like, prep a, prep a team, check Akita. I'm going to go get my gun. So next scene, Bonsai found his gun, and Penny also is not missing. Penny just found the picture of Bonsai and his wife. She's like, yo, what the fuck? She looks just like me. And the twist is that Bonsai married Penny's identical twin sister. And that's that. So <laughs> next scene. They, I love it. The movie never addresses it. The movie's just like, like, yeah, I married your twin sister. You didn't even know you had a twin sister. <laughs> and she's like, whoa. And that's that's it. There's they don't bring it up again. They don't circle back to it. They're not like, they're not like, ooh, wow, let's let's tackle this. They're kind of just like BT dubs. <laughs> and they just keep moving. So yeah, next scene. Akita's in his lab. He's doing his science thing. Alien comes out of nowhere, kills his partner. Next scene. Rawhide wanders through the hallway, spots Christopher Lloyd, gives chase. Next scene. Banzai almost kisses Penny, shocks her. Tommy comes in and is like, hey, Sam is dead. And they run off. Banzai and Tommy run to the lab to find Sam. A weird alien starfish is on his neck. Banzai is like, hey, let's split up. Let's go find who did this. So they go their separate ways. Banzai comes across some burning files and finds Rawhide getting beat up it's, by aliens. Okay, before we see the burning files, it's now when we say burning files, I'm sure listeners, you assume that it is a whole bunch of files just on fire in a stack. It is a line of filing cabinets with one shelf of one filing cabinet pulled out. <laughs> And a singular part of that shelf has been lit on fire. And all Buckaroo does to get rid of this fire is violently kick it in. <laughs> there is, there's no fire elsewhere. This is just the one fire. And it's on this shelf. It is, I, I don't know why, but I the saw it. The fire doesn't this. spread. It doesn't spread. It's just there. And you're like, I don't want to be that guy, but I've. <laughs> Wouldn't the fire have been a? It would have been much more intimidating of a scene if it was a little bit bigger. But because it was just one shelf, you're kind of like you watch him karate like kick it back into place, and you go, "Okay." I know we don't see right. a whole lot of like that martial arts stuff that we were talking about, except for literally the fact that hey, Buckaroo Banzai does some karate, and that's quite literally it for the entire yeah. movie. This is the one time when we're like, okay. There's that martial arts training come in handy. I see what you're doing. You're like, there's that martial arts I know. So, yeah. Next scene. This is this is one of the strangest parts. This, this part stuck out like a sore thumb for me. So what it is, it's Jeff Goldblum, one of Banzai's people with a sling walking through a room. Goldblum asks about a random watermelon that is just up in one of like the machines. And Sling is like, I'll tell you later. And that's the fucking scene. That is fucking <laughs> it. Love it. And I, I'm here for it. <laughs> and well, the reason the watermelon was actually there, I had to, I had to go look this up because I don't know why this stuck out. This stuck out so much to me. The production of Buckaroo Banzai was plagued with so many problems, and 
the every like the producers were like saying like hey we're, we're they were combating with the studio they were sent the studio was sending notes and making changes and then at one point the notes just kind of stopped coming and the crew was like is is anybody watching like the is anybody watching the dailies is anybody taking a look at like what's what's going on and the director was like you know what i'm gonna see i'm gonna see if they're still paying attention so they went out bought a watermelon stuck it in the machine they shot the watermelon scene and then just fucking waited so you would think that like seeing that like the studio would be like Wait, what what's going on here but they got no response and they were like all right no one's paying attention let's fucking keep on going doing whatever the fuck we want and I, yeah I love that that's the that. i love that energy that, i love that energy that's that fucking they chaos test, that we need they, in they, this movie. That is that is how that is how, that is proof that this movie is like chaotic good. That they're like we just kind of want to do our own arti- uh, artistic thing, and like they just tested the waters, figured out that they didn't care, and went cool. We're gonna run wild. <laughs> so yeah, next scene. Bonsai comes down through a hole in the wall. He's now in a basement. He hears aliens making alien noises. Hakita wanders through this basement. The aliens hunt him. Penny also makes her way downstairs, runs, in, runs into Akita, who gives, o- who gives her the overthruster. And the alien bursts through, attacks Akita. Bonsai shoots at him. The alien spits at Bonsai, and Penny runs past another alien. A weird jump cut where an alien runs through a hole in the wall, and Bonsai and Akita walk into frame. I don't know, that, that one also stuck out to me. So mm-hmm. they talk. Mm-hmm. Um, the security guard presents John Parker. Um, and Bonsai is like, I trust this guy immediately. So Parker is like, they ask him about like, hey, this guy that has a starfish, is there a way to cure him? Parker says there's no antidote. Um, and then Rawhide, I think he has an emotional death or some shit. But a helicopter gets stolen and the aliens have Penny. So boom, next scene. Go to the president who's hanging in a wheel. He's he's literally in a hamster wheel with a with a medical bed strapped strapped from from either like side going the whole diameter. I want to just fucking push it down a hill and just see what happens. It's like it's like a jackass bit. It feels like just roll it down the hill and see what happens. So yeah, so a guy. So uh, the Secretary of Defense is like uh, trust Buckaroo uh, Banzai and his men. Another man comes in and says, hey, we got another transmission. It's from Buckaroo Banzai. Banzai gives exp- uh, exposition about what he went through. Aliens dressed up as Yoyadine workers. John Parker is like, you need you need to listen to me. There's an explosive situation going down in New Jersey, all while making these like very weird hand motions where it's like he's praying, but he's like moving his fingers. I don't know. Yes. That, was, that was also yes, very you saw that weird. too. He's literally, he's literally, literally, he's literally putting his hands up as if he's praying. And then he just like, moves his like he moves his knuckles out and it's it's the weirdest thing in the world it's i i saw that too i saw that too yeah and goldblum is off camera with bonsai talking about something something alien creatures giving off bacteria that we breathe and it talks to our brain cells so we see them as normal people it's like electric brainwashing the president's like what the fuck bonsai is like trust me i gotta go and fucking leaves and presidents like you know if this wasn't Buckaroo Bonds, I, I would just fucking lock him up. Let, let, let's just figure yeah. out what the fuck is going on. So next scene, the Buckaroo gang are all looking at the anomaly from earlier. They get a phone call from Warfin. Buckaroo answers Warfin's call, and 
it's John Lithgow just being weird. They have Penny held hostage. Lloyd is also Christopher Lloyd's also there digging through Penny's purse. Lithgow is like, Penny can't solve my problem. There's a missing circuit for my overthruster. And Penny is like, just forget about me. Bonsai is like, what does she know about the overthrusters? Lithgow is like, come along, come alone, bring your overthruster, then hangs up. Lithgow also says, take her to the pit, find out what she knows. Next scene. Bonsai is giving exposition on some alien equipment that or some equipment that Akita made, a breathing device that allows the users to see the aliens as they are. There are only uh, 240 minutes left for uh, before the aliens just nuke Russia and shit go and all shit's going to hit the fan. So Bonsai wants to get the overthruster and Penny back in one place. Lithgow doesn't know she has the overthrust. Well, no, she does know that she has the overthrust. Right? I messed up on my notes, guys. So next scene. With the president, the guy with the president says um, surveil equipment is jammed and the Soviets are having trouble too. The president's posse are like Banzai has never been wrong before. Things turn red. Electromagnetic pulsar. The Russians are raising their defensive status. Military general is like, I'm I am scared. Barely holding my fudge right now. I don't I don't know. I, I it's. <laughs> The the general in all of these scenes is just like nuke them. And you're like, I, all right, man. You're just like, oh, and like all, everyone else on the team is like, let's just listen to Buckaroo Bonsai. And he's like, no, nuke them. And you're like, really? <laughs> that's that's the default. <laughs> let's listen to the neurosurgeon rock star, uh, man of a, this, uh, martial artist dude. At this point, at this point, I just assume that Buckaroo Bonsai has also read the Art of War. And like, just like knows military strategy. Like, I mean, Buckaroo Banzai probably has the art of war tattooed all over his body or some shit. That it's literally, no, me. he's, it's all, his back is just a, is like a cliff notes of the art of war. Dude, that would be a pretty badass tattoo, right? I'm, I'm not even going to lie. So <laughs> you're like, like that would be kind of cool. His whole back was just the art of war. So Banzai leaves perfect Tommy outside the DeLorean. So Banzai drives off. The aliens take Penny down to another fucking wet basement because we have to have one of those in this movie. I I I hate I hate that this is that this also is a very niche thing that has happened a non-zero amount of times is wet basements. You know, we got to do a list of like top 10 wet basements in film. Like we we just we just have to. We got to wait till we have 10, but we do top 10 wet basements, top 10 mullets, top 10. Top ten action movies with dance with uh with musical numbers like and uh oh what was the other one uh top ten I had something and then I lost it top ten fucking uh sh- top ten sheriffs that's what we're gonna do oh yeah exactly I'm really surprised we this do movie have a lot of sheriffs I'm really surprised this movie doesn't have a sheriff I yeah I have expected like some grizzled old guy from like some from like some famous like western movie in the 50s would just like come in and just be like what's going on over here <laughs> so now we're back with the president and they just got shown the alien hologram message from earlier light starts flashing the president's about to sign a declaration of war and the delorean next scene delorean is taken to yoyadine lithgow he basically gives a motivational speech sorry dictator speech like we can enter yeah. the the eighth dimension and free our comrades then return home and seize power once again 
I like you. I like you started with motivational speech and then just went. Wait, he's not giving a motivational speech like it's fucking Rudy. Like he's like, you're like, no, no, scratch that. This is like a dictator speech. I think my favorite part of uh, when he was um, doing this speech was the um, where are we going? Planet ten, and it's like the red electrodes are saying planet ten, and then um, Lithgow says when, and the electrodes are like real soon. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I, did, I, did, I did. I did. I love that. I did. That was. That was awesome. No, that was. That was great. They're like. They're like probably soon. <laughs> like, like that's the attitude. So his speech gets interrupted by the DeLorean driving in, and it's Buckaroo Bonsai, but the overthruster isn't there, and Bonsai gets taken hostage. Lithgow is like, take him to the shock tower, and we see Lithgow hooking up Bonsai to the world's most elaborate electric chair. And put something really. around his head. And Lithgow wants information, but Bonsai is like, I got nothing but time. And so then they start electrocuting this man. Which I I want to say a couple things about this scene. What they say is they go, answer the equation for the for for the for the DeLorean. And put it on this keyboard, and they strap. And, you know, your initial thought was, okay, it's an equation, probably a calculator, maybe maybe a little, like, handheld, one-handed, like, keyboard. Mm. Nope, they take a, pi- a a half, no, a quarter of a piano keyboard and put it in front of him. Like he's Schroeder, like, from Peanuts. And the whole time I'm left going, I don't want to be that guy. How are you supposed to solve an equation with a piano keyboard? But you know what? Fuck that. Suspension of disbelief. He solves it on a piano keyboard. And then, to top it all off, they shock him. And I gotta be honest, again, I have never been strapped to a chair and shocked. I haven't. So I don't know. How when have you been like, shocked? I was like, I don't know. Like, like you know, like the little light, like, tasing or like you hit, some, you hit touch an electric fence and you're like, ow, oof, ouchie, that hurt. Like, but, like, quite literally, he's getting volts through his body and all he does is like close his eyes and like twitch a little bit and i'm like i'm surprised you are not screaming lurching twisting contorting like you are just like going ah ooh, stop please like what yeah the reason they used that uh keyboard setup was because they couldn't afford a calculator and they just decided like oh we'll just fucking repurpose the piano we're not going to go back to that scene so yeah, it's not like we won't need that. And I think one thing about this scene in particular was it was very difficult for um them to get through this because uh Peter uh Peter Weller, sorry, Peter Weller was just laughing at John Lithgow's Italian Martian accent, which I love. <laughs> I love that when actors great. go through that. <laughs> when they're just great. laughing. They're just right, like like John Lithgow's being so serious the whole time. Like he's just cracking up. Like that is fantastic. So next scene after this torture, the tour bus arrives at Yoyadine, and the secretary, I think, walks out to talk to the two Johns that are being guarded. The bus just fucking drives off, and the Bonsai Posse exit all with guns including this fucking eight-year-old kid that's just strapped with an AK. Like, my, my, 
I love that. This, I love this that. kid is this kid is armed to the teeth. Like everyone else is like, okay, cool. Pistol. Like, all right, pistol. Ooh, we got a mini Uzi. Oh, Bakuru Banzai's got a big like or not Bakuru, uh perfect Tommy's got the AK. Classic. And then the eight-year-old comes out with like like a, like also an AK. You're like, why did we give him the the really cool gun? All right. Whatever. <laughs> My man got the glizzy on Pat right now. <laughs> he's just, he's fucking, he's king keeps that thing on him. Like, he's just, he's eight. And they just went, he just went, here's a fully loaded weapon, kiddo. Somebody keep that weapon away from Alec Baldwin. <laughs> it just, like, oh no, three cinematographers are dead. No. So yeah, they all enter the yo-yo dine factory they're back in some basement come across the red electroid that attacks them and we cut to the different parties we cut to the different parties of the posse wandering through this area and we're with tommy and he gets told by parker where to find warfin tommy sneaks by easily and he goes down with the sling as he wanders through some sewer wet areas and tommy's watch goes off and alerts nearby aliens hits an alarm which messes with the electricity now now all hell is breaking loose so tommy kills some aliens bonsai frees himself from the elaborate electric chair and the the next scene bonsai finds jeff goldblum in a wet alleyway and goldblum gives bonsai a gun and they're together now so hell yeah the, so we go to the secretary who has found who founds the aliens and they're building what looks like some type of futuristic Noah's Ark setup. And interesting, what's going to happen? Next scene, Bonsai shoots some alien and Goldblum does too. Cool. The secretary finds Big Booty and wants, he's like, I want to find this bomber. But Big Booty says, come speak to me upstairs. And there's an inch of water on the fucking ground where there's like science equipment and shit. Doesn't make any fucking sense. So I, I, oh my God. So Big Booty, he ends up choking the secretary with his tie and he screams, damn John Warfin and the horse he rode in on with that wonderful <laughs> Christopher Lloyd acting. I love I, it. I love it. I love it. Christopher, Christopher Lloyd always goes whole hog. He just he, he doesn't matter. The line doesn't matter what movie it is. He's going to he's going to put it in and damn does he. So Bonsai. He reunites with his posse, goes to save Penny, and uh, Parker's like, there's no time. We have to go now. So Bonsai runs off with Parker and leaves Goldblum with Penny. So, she, so he was able to save the girl. And Lithgow mm-hmm. was like, hey, let's board the ship. Christopher Lloyd says, hey, we can't without the circuit. Lithgow's like, we have to go now. And Christopher Lloyd's like, what the fuck? Next, he were with uh, Bonsai and Parker. They find a ship that the, ali- that the aliens are going on. And now our big action scene is going to ensue. Mm-hmm. Aliens jump at Bonsai. He fights them off. Lithgow enters the ship. Aliens are randomly falling from the sky. It's like that one scene from The Happening where people are just yeah, fucking jumping out of windows just, and people shit. People are just jumping out of the fucking window. <laughs> except, this time it's, except this time it's like these weird Power Ranger alien things. So Lithgow yells like, hey, you need to install the overthruster. Bonsai and Parker found this control room. It's like a separate pod. And Lithgow yells at Floyd, like, figure it, figure it out. You are the weakest individual I know. And Christopher Lloyd, while 
Lithgow is up front. He's getting like in their suit, ready to fly off. Christopher Lloyd's in the background. He gives the best middle finger I've ever seen. That is movie. that is such yeah. a real middle finger. Dude, That's just like it is just pointed and out there, and it's just got dude, some thrust to it too. Dude, I mean, my man comes to like a full bicep curl, and then like pauses, and then flips it out like really fast, like he's throwing a ninja star. Except it is it's just awesome. his middle finger. That was so great. You're like, you're like, you're like, damn, that was that was the rawest middle finger I had seen in a while. So the kids, the kid from earlier points a gun to the secretary of defense because I guess he's a bad guy. That kid's a fucking badass. We go back to Lithgow and he's yelling at his crew about the overthrusters. Bonsai is like, hey, if you can't connect the dots, they'll never penetrate. Lithgow is like, hey, fasten your seatbelts. And Lloyd ends up yelling at Lithgow. So they've been buttonheads this entire time. And he just yells one too many times where Lithgow turns around and shoots him because he fucking did not listen. So Lithgow's ship starts approaching a wall and gets ready to talk shit, get hit, talk shit, shit, get hit, talk shit, get shot. So they Lithgow's ships break through the wall. He doesn't cross over to the eighth dimension, but he just takes off and he's somewhere completely worse. He's in New Jersey and aliens are watching from above, preparing to incinerate the earth. Banzai is touching a bunch of wires, trying to figure out what to do. And he realized like, oh, I can control this pod. And there's a gun in the control room for some reason. So now Lithgow, so now Banzai is in his own little pod and he's going to go take on, you know, Lithgow's big ship and Banzai's small ship. So he chases after them. We get a space chase scene. Banzai is giving directions. Banzai shoots a laser at Lithgow's ship and it blows up. That was just kind of it was it was it was so quick. It was it was I I literally sat there and just saw him go, I'll get you next time, Bonsai. I'll see you in hell. And then like it explodes. And I was like, really? That's fucking it? Oh, I mean, I, I was expecting a little bit more really? conflict, like maybe because yeah. we, we, we had like a couple of scenes of like, you know, one on one between uh, Buckaroo Bonsai and John Warfin, But it was just like. I don't know. It kind of ended with a eh, oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's it. So, hooray! Yeah, exactly. mm-hmm. The day is the the day is saved. The ship is destroyed. The Earth is saved. Um, Bonsai parachutes out. We get some bad looking green screen because you know. Oh, it is. Oh, it's too. yeah. It's it's bad green screen. So yeah, um, Bonsai floats to the ground. And John Parker flies away. And yeah, he lands safely. Tommy says Penny's okay. The day is saved. Bonsai goes to, you know, talk to Jeff Goldblum. I did everything I could. Bonsai goes to the bus looking for Penny. And he finds her lying under some sheets in his bed. And she's got like bites all over her because, you know, they were torturing her with bugs. Bonsai goes to kiss her, but gets shocked. And then we randomly cut to an alien that just kind of turns looks at the camera then turns back then we go back to bonds why the fuck that, that was there i have no, like, I have no I, that was so idea. weird that it was, was so, so weird because i was like it, it was like a family it was like a, the beginning of a family guy cutaway gag and then we're just back to it it's like nope you only get <laughs> five seconds of it so like it's like it's like the setup but no punchline like all they do, it's just it's just they do the lead in and then it cuts back to it and you're like oh all right yeah, so Banzai tries to kiss her again, and it looks like Penny is gonna be okay. 
The day is saved. Banzai makes out with Penny while the aliens watch from their spaceship. And we end with the aliens saying, so what? Big deal. And we get a tease for our next adventure, which we already talked about. And um, yeah, that's the movie, except for our ending credits when we see everyone. I think except for the bad guys They're what would like the L.A. River or some shit where yeah, they shot like, that Terminator like 2. Yeah, and they're it's like, like they're in. Yeah, they're in the L.A. River or some 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 equally confusing concrete location. Yeah, and they're just like walking to this like really upbeat song, which if you, I don't know if you knew this, but because they didn't have the song that they were actually going to be walking to prepared. Instead, what the director used was Uptown Girl <laughs> that they're walking to. Oh, really? <laughs> and I just I really want to sit down and play and just see if they'll be walking with it. Like that'd be awesome. Yeah, exactly. You're like you're like, I'm half interested to just sit there and just go, Uptown Girl. And she Yeah, it's like see if they're like on beat as they like keep walking. One day I'll see if I can find the video of me doing the Fortnite shoot dance with a with a bag of chips in my hand to Uptown Girl. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. That video exists out there. If you can find it, more power to you. You know you know who it's you are if you have it. Somewhere. It's so it's somewhere in, in this in the internet space. So yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, guys. That's been uh yeah, that's been fucking Buckaroo Bonsai. Mike, what thank you for showing this to me, I think. <laughs> this was uh this Hell was a heck yeah. of an experience. I don't know why. This movie is exhausting as well. Like Oh yeah, just, absolutely. It's, but it's not like Ice Pirates exhausting. It's just kind of like, you know, when you get to the end of like a good workout and you're like, okay. That was Yeah, good. exactly. <laughs> Ice Pirates is like Ice Pirates is like you just got to the end of a workout and you're like, whew, all right. And then your best friend grabs you and goes, We're going to a mosh pit. And you're like, Oh, okay. And then like by the end of that, you're like I just, please, I just need to sleep. <laughs> this is like, you're like done with your workout. You're like, ah, that was, that was good. You're like, I'm, I'm tired, but yeah. Yeah. Ice, Ice Pirates is like the end of like a, like a 48 hour race where you're just running the entire time. Yeah. Or just, or just an actual, just fight where you're like, oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, well guys, that does it for this episode of the messed up at midnight podcast. Go follow us, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. You guys, you guys know where all of it is. Mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. yeah definitely go check out buckaroo bonsai i feel like this one represents a drinking movie pretty well i think oh yeah i think so i think mm-hmm. so this is definitely this definitely feels drinking adjacent <laughs> this whole podcast is drinking adjacent this whole podcast is just drinking yeah exactly They're, fuck the adjacent <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well we will see y'all next week see you next week everybody